with you, 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 always with you. Welcome to With You, a podcast meant to share the stories of women across the rugby community, to highlight our connections and our growth, and to delight in a good belly laugh whenever we can. I'm Suze, my pronouns are she, her, and I'll be your host. Welcome back, friends. Here we are for episode 12, which is about to be in your ears. But first, I'll give you an intro. I love that I'm having this episode behind last week's, and let me tell you why. So last week, we talked to a scientist, and this week, we're talking to an artist. Don't you just love those back-to-back Well, let me say, Liz is making a documentary film, it's currently in post-production, about the DC Furies, their legacy, she talks to their founders, wow, it's just brilliant, honestly, I can't wait to see it, but until then, y'all are just gonna have to keep it together with a trailer. The website for her film is www.furiousthefilm.com. This link will be included in the show notes, as well will be the link to the trailer, right to it. Before that, of course, I get the lowdown on Liz's rugby origin story. She was a soccer girl all the way from middle school on, and actually in middle school as well found through an injury at a track meet that she has scoliosis. It was a very interesting conversation. She was actually the first person I've ever spoken to with scoliosis, and I certainly learned a lot. I am so impressed, but but also not surprised. She is a women's rugby player, you know, about how humble and grateful she is and um, resilient as hell, that's for sure. I'll give, I definitely will give her that. So this is a great talk. Again, show notes, lots of links in there. There will also be one to a blog Liz wrote about her life as an athlete with scoliosis, which is a great, short, accessible read for everyone. So check it all out. Let's blow up the SEOs and take over the internet with women's rugby. La. <laughs> okay, I guess we can try. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. And let me know. Send it to your friends. Tell them how much you love it. Thank you guys for being here. See you on the other side. Hello. I can hear you just fine. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Here we are. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Another episode of With You. Thank you for being here. Yeah, really, really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm really, really stoked about this film that you're making, but we will get there. <laughs> all first, right. I have, first, I need all the all the beginning stories. So the oh, very man. beginning, uh, what are your pronouns? Yeah, so my name's Liz. My pronouns are she, her, um, mm-hmm. and I'm actually kind of from the same area you are, I think. Uh, So I'm originally from Northern Virginia, and I'm still in Northern Virginia, and I play for the DC Furies. 
Nice. Yeah, I was actually born in Fairfax. Um, yeah. But I, born, <laughs> but I was raised on uh, below, suburbs of Baltimore in oh, the county. Cool. So, but yeah, I know. I I certainly know that area. It's pretty cool <laughs> um, to talk to somebody that's from there. That I, you know, I've talked to people like my friends that I've played with that are from there. But you are. You're fresh on my spectrum, people. Yeah, brand new. We got a pretty crazy rugby community up here, so excited to meet someone. Yeah, me too. And the team seemed to be the oldest, uh, which we can get after too, because I know like, oh, well, whatever. We'll just go here. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> you, it, I know in the Furious trailer that you said the, the Furies were started in 1972. Not 72. I believe it was 78. Okay. Um, but the founder uh, started also started UVA women's rugby while she was in college. Um, wow. So UVA is like you know a pretty old college uh, team, is. and so she, I you know the first time I interviewed her, she was casually like, "Oh yeah, so I went to UVA, was on the first women's basketball team at UVA, and then I you know started rugby there." And then I graduated, moved to DC and started rugby in DC. And I'm like, I think you're like, you're, you're saying it in a way that like, you don't, you you started like a whole damn club, like two of them. Right. Right. Yeah. What a pioneer. Like doesn't realize how badass she is, huh? (laughs) Yeah. It's funny because the U S team is putting out a, like um docuseries for mm. this mostly the sevens but also the 15s clubs called the pioneers about wow. how like they're growing the sport and while you know i'm totally in support of like what our usa team is doing and they're, they're doing great stuff i'm like you know you really aren't the pioneers because you know rugby in the united states has been happening for the last 40 and 50 years yeah <laughs> so it's yeah, pretty crazy for sure. And it's like the sevens versus fifteens bit in there too. But I know I really think East Coast rugby is is the oldest. Um I played for Chesapeake and Baltimore and they're they're the oldest continuously running and that's nineteen seventy four. And then my club my college club team, UMBC, was nineteen eighty four. So I'm like really there was a big movement in the mid Atlantic there mm-hmm. for women's rugby that I'm so thankful to have come from. Yeah, I mean, and then you have, like, Boston. Beantown's a really mm. old, really successful club. I mean, yeah. some of the first colleges, um, UVA, Florida State, um, mm. you know, a lot of – Philly is a really old club, too. It's, like, yeah. really all up and down the coast. So cool. It's so cool. For sure. Okay, well, let's back up a second. I want <laughs> your I want your rugby origin story. So tell me, how did you find women's rugby? Yeah, sure. So I might bounce around a little bit, but alrighty. Yeah. So I actually, I guess, started playing sports in general when I was in middle school. Had you know not played anything. I was a twig. I was like, you know, I have been the same height I that I was when I was twelve. So like I had a huge growth (laughs) spurt. Yeah. And then when I was 12, I was as tall as I am now. So I'm what five, five, which is a normal height, but as a 12 year old, you feel like a giant. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also was like 110 pounds. I was like very thin, you know, Mm -hmm. not a lot of muscle on me. Um, Decided when I uh, was in sixth grade, I wanted to play sports and I started playing soccer, um, played soccer, you know, for most of my 
well, actually all of my middle school and uh, high school kind of career. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I went to college, I went to college at the College of William and Mary. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew that I wasn't going to play, you know, division one soccer, but mm-hmm. I was like, you know, there's tons of opportunities for clubs. And mm-hmm. I actually went to the uh, activities fair in college and mm-hmm. I had my mind set. I was like, I'm playing soccer. I've, you know, played soccer for the last however many years. I'm good at it. I love it. It's just, this is what's happening. It's, I made up my mind. Very stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. And I uh, walked in, I was wearing a soccer shirt and some soccer shorts. And I, um, you know, by this time, you know, after my athletic career, I had, you know, put on tons of muscle weight and was like, you know, really fit and loved, you know, all the things, um, sport. Yeah. And I had also, when I played soccer, started middle school, but all through high school, I was also a goalkeeper. So Uh my understanding of like what it was like to be a soccer player was like, much more physical. Like I did a lot of diving mm. and diving into people and yeah, throwing yeah. my body everywhere. Yeah. Um, Sounds like and, a good rugby player to me. Yeah. <laughs> and actually I have a story about that uh, in, a, in a second. But yeah, so I was at the activities fair and this one, you know, ended up later becoming my teammate, but her name was Zooey, um, was, you know, normally players stick to their tables. I was walking around and she walked up to me and said, you look like a rugby player. And I was like, what? No, I play soccer. No, 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 no. And she was like, (laughs) how about, how about you just take this slip? How about you just like look us up later? I was like, oh, so flattered that they like thought I was athletic enough to play rugby. (laughs) And, you know, ended up going to soccer, um, like club soccer tryouts. And, you know, it was cool, but I, you know, ended up leaving being like, oh my gosh, this is like the same drama that I dealt with in Mm -hmm. high school. I was Mm -hmm. like, these are exactly the same. It's the same like team dynamic. And it it Mm. wasn't really what I was looking for in terms of like, you know, testing myself. And then also it was kind of weird because, because it was a club sport, it also wasn't about, you know, performance. So I think I, ended up going to the tryouts as a goalie. I was like one of like two goalies trying out. Yeah. And there's, you know, was two teams. And then there were two other goalies that also happened to be captains on the mm. club. And so like my chances were just kind of shot. Like I had a better tryout than some of the other goalies, but they had been on the team previously. And so they got like placed higher because of their like seniority and I was like, oh, this is going to be politics. <laughs> this is yeah. gonna be like, you know, you're my little or, you know, you're this. So I want to give you a good spot. Um, and I was uh, like, I don't want to do this for four years. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Sports politics are terrible. Yeah. You know, I really just I wanted to show up and be fit and have fun. And yeah, you know, so, yeah. Then I looked up the game of rugby on my like computer and I was like, mm-hmm. this looks so cool like (laughs) this looks so fun and yeah and then I showed up to my first practice and I you know the rest is kind of history from there so you actually went in like nana this is not my thing I'm gonna play soccer I love soccer and then it it was complete complete change of mind 
and change of intention. What did you think when you first looked up rugby? You were like, my first initial thought was like, this looks fucking cool. Like, I want to do this. I mean, I think, you know, I was a good goalkeeper. I was a a good soccer player. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's hard to go into something and then like be good at it, but not be, you know, I wasn't good enough to play, you know, in a division one league and I wasn't, you know, Mm going to play for a travel team and all that good stuff. But I knew I was good. Uh, it was hard to like, let go of all that and kind of like abandon all the skills that I had been working on for a while. But, you know, I just kind of use that energy and use those skills later. Yeah. Um, They just adapted to the game of rugby, right? If you were already, you were already comfortable throwing your body around, Uh, in front of a ball like why not throw your body around into another person (laughs) for sure and I see it too I see you know my reactions from when uh you know somebody uh knocks a ball on and or or it's you know that I dive on it my reactions like Mm -hmm. I literally am like throwing my body onto the ground no second thought and that has proved like an awesome asset uh when the time comes for it. Cause it takes a while to get used to that. And luckily I had, you know, several years of, you know, throwing my body into people to kind of prep me for rugby. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. I, I really like that idea and a teammate who doesn't, who has the reaction. It doesn't necessarily have to think about it, even if it's for half a second and just like has the reaction to recover a lost ball. Or mm-hmm. I'm, I imagine like your hand skills were great as well. Um, from being there as well, like your hand-eye coordination was developed a little more than just maybe oh, sure. four words. Yeah, so yeah, that's... it was pretty unique. I had like pretty good hands, and then that's actually why they kind of kept me in the backs. I think uh-huh. um, was well, and I was pretty fast for you know a soccer player goalie. All you do is like you know sprint out one v one, and I also had kicking because I had you know yeah. was a soccer player, so it was like a really weird skill set that I never thought would transition that ended up being like really valuable in my college career. Yeah, I love that. That's so perfect. There's also a bit in here about of you being an athlete with scoliosis that travels back from when you were still playing soccer, correct? Yeah, actually, uh, I so when I was in middle school, I not only played soccer, I was an overachiever. So I played soccer <laughs> and I ran track and I played basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my first kind of the way I discovered that I had scoliosis was during like a track practice, my mm-hmm. seventh grade year. So I had played, you know, sixth grade soccer season, no issues, um, except I was like really bad at soccer. I, <laughs> um, so I like never played before. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but then, you know, seventh grade, I started putting on some muscle and I wanted to, you know, try something new. So I started running track and I ran the hurdles mm-hmm. and I landed on a hurdle like or in, in practice, you know, one, two, and then I landed wrong and like all of the wind kind of got knocked Mm -hmm. out of me and I had this Mm -hmm. like really intense pain in my lower back and I like Mm -hmm. couldn't walk and I was like so much pain that I just like fell over um and I didn't really know what was happening so I went to the doctor to like get an updated physical and that's what's crazy is I got physicals every year and nobody ever kind of checked for scoliosis which blows my mind or they did and they didn't notice. Um, 
So yeah, I remember being in middle school and having scol like scoliosis checks, but you just like took your shirt off, and it was a group thing. You would like run through the line. I was always yeah. so embarrassed. I had I did that. I did yeah. the standing here check for checking for scoliosis, and I don't know how they missed it because I look wow. at photos of myself when I was like really young, like fifth, you know, fourth and fifth grade, and it was there too. Wow. So doctors just suck. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, you know, go to the doctors and I'm examining my back and she asks me, she goes, hey, can you bend down and touch your toes? Which, you know, they asked you to do. And I was like, sure. And I always thought that was to test her hamstrings. So I was like, look how flexible I am, girl. Sure. And sure. then she called my mom over and she's, you know, they're standing behind me and she has her finger and she's like, you know, drawing on my back certain things. And I didn't really understand, you know, what it was or what she was really, you know, talking about or what scoliosis yeah. was. And then yeah. it kind of started a series of, you know, doctor's appointments that I saw mm -hmm. from the time I was, you know, 11, 12 until the time I was 16. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw them quarterly. And, you know, my height, because I was a tall kid, I, that's kind of how I develop scoliosis. Um, it just, mm. it happens from, you know, one side growing a little faster than the other. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, yeah, I had quarterly scoliosis appointments. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, once every three months or whatever from the time yeah. I was 16. And yeah. it was like far enough along to where had they caught it earlier, I would have needed like a back brace to like, wow prevent me there's I mean that's those that's a pretty common treatment to prevent it from getting any worse sure. but because I was so far along height wise they were like honestly it's not going to do anything so yeah. I would just kind of like tough it out um and then I was also like 10 degrees or something away from surgery so I did wow. not need corrective surgery but it huh. was serious enough to like warrant some sort of treatment and monitoring so it was this very weird, like, you obviously have scoliosis, but there's nothing we can do with it. Sure. Um, and my doctor, who was really great, um, her name was Kathleen McHale. I still remember, like, everything that she did for me growing up and making sure I had, like, a pretty, you know, normal life because scoliosis yeah. is normal. It's just, you know, she encouraged me to continue playing sports in, yeah. you know, hoping that that would keep me limber and keep, sure. you know, strengthening those muscles i don't think rugby is what she had in mind but um, <laughs> yeah so it's been really interesting because i've you know was an athlete before i knew i had scoliosis sure. so my understanding of like my back and like how to manage it you know started early in my athletic career but you know after it had started nonetheless yeah yeah well it's such a fascinating story um, <laughs> and one I heard before. So I like, thank you for sharing it, but I'm just, I think it's really amazing that you were able to continue being an athlete because it was part of, like you said, an overachiever, which I think happens with a lot <laughs> of us in women's rugby, but um, it was so much part of your identity already uh, and like things that added value to your life. Right. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, what do I want to say here? <laughs> what did you, how did you, how did you handle it? Wow. That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Take your time. I mean, did you, I'm sure like as so young as you were, it was like over 
thing? You know, I, it, things started to make sense. So the biggest thing with me and, uh, growing up with scoliosis in general is really hard and specific to like body image and like, you know, the way that, you know, my jerseys would fit me. Like if we had for soccer, even, you know, we Uh would put on tight fitting jerseys and one of my hips sticks out further or my shoulder blade, you know, one of my shoulder blades, uh, is like protrudes, you know, it's normal resting thing. And my ribs are different sizes and it's not so obvious that you can see it like, and, and know right away what it was, unless you were looking for it. But, you know, on occasion, I do have the what's wrong with your shoulder or like, why are you slouching? And I'm like, nope, mm-hmm. that is literally just my back. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's all, it was never comfortable to be in those like tight jerseys, honestly. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think it was this, you know, pretty interesting kind of double whammy where I was like already having uh you know, body image issues and then scoliosis mm-hmm. on top of that just adds mm-hmm. another, you know, really interesting layer. And then being <sighs> an athlete on top of that, you know, I was an athlete, uh, especially playing soccer, you know, a lot of soccer players, it, it when once you get to a certain level, start to look pretty similar mm-hmm. um, because they're, I guess, from all the cardio or whatever, like. It, You're just it, developing certain skill sets that lend to a certain body shape or like the leanness or like the muscle muscular builds right right and it's like there's more body diversity in rugby than I think there is in any other sport but I had never grown up like seeing that um so I had never seen anyone with scoliosis playing sports um Mm. so that was really interesting for sure but you know body image aside, I think that's one really interesting element. The other thing though, was how to like manage with my pain. Um, because you know, I grew up just kind of being like, Oh, my back's going to hurt today, or this movement's going to hurt my back or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was weird having to explain to coaches and players and, you know, all that stuff that like, Hey, this, uh, is, I can't do this movement. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this is going to hurt me tomorrow in ways that mm-hmm. I can't explain. And I spent a lot of time, especially in high school, when I started doing like, you know, higher intensity, higher contact sports, mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time in your like uh, trainer's office, just kind of like figuring out how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, figuring out like a maintenance plan. But I think uh, a lot of young athletes don't even have that much body awareness I mean yeah there's some recovery but even in I mean I even when I was playing collegiate rugby I wasn't that concerned with recovery um because I was just like resilient you're just like young a lot of young people can just do whatever and they there's not too many consequences you might be sore but your experience with that is completely different right right yeah and you know it's weird explaining it to other people too because when you know, I've had to live with a lot of these pains most of my life. Um, mm. Rugby opened like a whole new, I guess, chapter into certain pains. But again, I was like really fit and, you know, also grew- growing up as an athlete and learning how to cope with my pains and stuff. Mm. Um, I, I guess the like craziest thing about this whole thing is, you know, I can talk about back pain, but like, you know, 
people don't really, really understand it because mm -hmm. they have straight spines. Um, yeah. And so I don't act actually have the like, I was trying to like look it up before um, we got on call. I don't have the like technical term for like mm -hmm. what my uh, thing is because I have, you know, they have different parts of the spine. So there's like cervical, thoracic, all mm -hmm. of that stuff. Lumbar. Um, yeah. And then it goes the way that your spine curves is like, you know, one side is dextroscoliosis, which means it curves to the left. And the other one is another one, which means it curves to the right. So I have two places in my spine where they curve. The first is like right uh, kind of below where my neck is. So my neck is fine, but mm -hmm. right in between my shoulder blades, it goes mm -hmm. a little bit to the right just mm -hmm. for like a smidge. And then after that, it's a big curve that goes to the left. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you follow my spine, it's probably an inch off of where the middle of my back is. It's pretty, you know, pretty wow. far. Um, and then yeah. on top of that, it twists coming down. So it's mm -hmm. not just like the location of it, it like twists going down a little bit. And I'm not, you know, sure of the technical terms, because I actually recently only found that out this year. Um, wow scoliosis is actually, you know, it, because, you know, it's not something that I can change. I can't. And if I were to get surgery to correct it, which is dumb because I don't need it, but yeah. if I were to do that, or if it got bad enough to where I needed that, I would mm -hmm. not be able to play contact sports after that. So yeah. I'm sure there would be a lot of, like a lot of limitations that they would, they would put on you um, just right. for, for risk sake. Right. Sure. And, you know, for some people, it's not an option. If I had been, you know, 10 or 15 degrees worse off, um, I would have needed correct had surgery. To as, a, as a very young, as a girl. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, the reality that a lot of women and, you know, young boys face too, is there's mm. things that they cannot do. And mm. I'm in like the very lucky category where, you know, I am dealing with this pain and am conscious to like, you know, what my body is and isn't able to do. And, you know, I understand that I have limitations, but the fact that I can do those things at all is like, you know, a blessing in this, yeah. you know, I, uh, so I, I guess this kind of leads into like my other injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, the biggest thing with me is, you know, when I got to college and started playing rugby, I'd only been playing rugby. Oh man. started in August and the second week of December, I tore my first ACL. <laughs> and it was just this freak of nature unlucky I tore playing sevens so like not even like you know a really high contact injury it was mm -hmm. I cut it was really cold out mm -hmm. and I you know tore my knee mm -hmm. and you know any problems that I had with my back kind of got put on the back burner because sure. you know this became the new kind of pressing injury yeah. um and so yeah I um, was in recovery I ended up, you know, going to physical therapy to try to fix it. And then, you know, eventually getting surgery that next May, but I was mm -hmm. out for a year and a half, almost two years um, of playing the sport because this, wow. this unique thing with rugby where, you know, or especially with my doctor, when I came back to return to play, mm -hmm. um, you, I, you know, was still put in this like really heavy duty metal brace. I'm sure you've seen a lot of soccer yeah. players, basketball players wear those rugby yeah. players can't wear those. Correct. So, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a hazard. You can hurt, injure other people with them. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, before I was allowed to take that off, I was supposed to 
be able to play high intense sports with that for mm. a year. So it was supposed to be, you know, nine months of the actual rehab and recovery and then mm. another year in the brace. But I mm. got got out early for good behavior. And by that, I mean, I like begged my physician to let me play sure. in a sevens tournament. Um, you know, I played at William & Mary and at the time we were division two. Um, and then we moved down to Enscro, which is small college rugby. So yeah. we were a really good team, but you know, we were never going to beat a Rutgers who is also division two or, you know, some of these, you know, big teams that just have much more players to pull from. So college rugby really small college rugby really gave us the opportunity to, you know, compete exactly and make it to like regionals and, you know, you know, top four and stuff like that. Yeah. It gave you more opportunity. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. we ended up getting a bid to our sevens nationals and scrow tournament and we didn't even play sevens though that was just based on how successful our 15th season was so we were like wiping out and scrow and d2 teams like you know left and right and they were like hey you should come play with us in nationals and we needed to form a team and we were short on numbers and i was like that's it this is my time i'm ready yeah Little like did it's I been know, long enough, right? Yeah, little did I know how out of shape I would be and how oh, miserable yeah. I would be. <laughs> you know, you're on for one minute, and I was like, wow, this is more running than I've done in two years. So Yeah, yeah, but I'm sure at the same time you were so happy to be back on the show oh, yeah. that way. Yeah, I think, wow, there was – okay, so there's a lot in there. First of all, I'm just really impressed, and uh, I, I feel more educated but about your resilience <laughs> but and, and also about scoliosis and how – how early on your life and continuing to be an athlete, like through high school and into college and finding rugby, like all that, all that resilience and that the gratitude that you, it's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that and, um, and bringing that here. But also um, I'm really curious and kind of shocked. It seems there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of ACL, injuries in women's rugby right it's like it Mm -hmm. seems so common I've known so many people have ACL tears partial tears um a lot a lot of people a lot of people have surgeries and the the treatment and the recovery seems vastly different from person to person and I guess from probably from doctor to doctor Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's so great that you beg to get out of out of that brace as soon as you could (laughs) and in the middle of you telling that story as well I was wondering like how you continue to stay connected with the rugby community because you were only a few months in to being like to joining the team being a rookie and being like fresh out the gate and finding the game um so I take that you continue to like come to practices and you had made friends and things like that yeah yeah, I was a wacko. I like, <laughs> I you know, I if I were to meet me, like if I was, you know, a veteran player, and then I saw me come in, play like four games, and then tear my ACL completely and be sidelined, I'd have been like, they're not coming back next year. You know, mm-hmm. like they have way other things to do. And yeah. you know, this is such a neat sport, though, and gave me, you know, the opportunity to kind of like do things that I would never be able to do in any other sport. And I was so motivated by, you know, the ability to come back and play um, that I was like, oh, it's happening. Like they didn't say I was out for four years. They said I was out for a year. So I'll be back. 
like, and, you know, I continued to, uh, I helped coach rookies, not that I was super qualified to coach, but (laughs) I watched a lot of rugby and every time we got new players in, you know, I helped kind of coach and lead drills and I did a lot of non-contact stuff, even though, um, you know, I'd wear my brace. And so people would come in and be like, who the hell is that chick with the like giant metal knee? Like, um, so that was really cool. And it got to the point where, you know, I didn't even feel like it had been that long since I played because I had been going to practices and I had been involved in like, you know, all of the things with the executive board. I took on, uh, we called it the operations manager or operations chair, which was sure. literally our uh, merchandise, our marketing mm-hmm. and like all of that. And then also mm-hmm. our recruitment chair. So it was three chairs kind of thrown into one position. Sure. And since sure. I couldn't play in games, I just, you know, traveled you- to the games and did all the things. <laughs> yeah. That's so wonderful. It's, I don't know, man, everybody has a place in women's rugby. Like if the, the community is so like, if you want to be here, great, we'll have you, we will find something for you to do. Exactly. Um, I'm glad you had that experience as well. And I imagine that you could take all that. You, I just get a lot of, there's, you got a lot of spirit, you know, there's a lot of energy coming from you and a lot of enthusiasm for rugby and what, I mean, it had to be after three months for a rookie to tear their, tear their ACL and then come back and just like jump into it. Like they got you, you were hooked. Yeah. You were hooked. I mean, it's, I think it also speaks to in general, like the philosophy that women have towards, you know, being able to do things that they wouldn't normally be able to do. I mean, rugby is a sport that defies, you know, conventional norms for like what women and what, you know, athletes are supposed to look like or 100 percent. I think you know I was talking a little bit earlier about you know body diversity and rugby Mm -hmm. like that includes scoliosis like I walked in and I was like wow I have girls that are stronger than me faster than me taller than me but or you know or maybe none of those things maybe I am stronger and taller but they're way better at these other things and you know it was very quickly a sport where I was like you know I don't have to be good at everything. I don't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, best at all these things because there's so many players mm-hmm. on this team that like, I just need to do what I'm good at, yeah. you know, and I need to find a way to contribute. And, you know, it, it it's a sport that I think, you know, you, you don't need superstars in rugby. Like yeah. if you have, you know, everybody's good at the things that they're set out to do and everybody yeah. has their roles. And there is a role for you. And I think that was a, you know, something I, you know, really kind of fell in love with from the get-go. But I think that's Mm -hmm. why a lot of ruggers, you know, stick to the game is, you know, there's a place for you no matter what. That's why, you know, women play for so long. You have players that come out of college and, you know, work with a club and they're playing into their 40s. And, you know, they're not a wing anymore, but, you know, right. slowly move into the pack (laughs) yeah exactly but you have other skills I I think one of mm, one of the things I always said is like you remember going to tournaments in college and playing having to play like an old girls team and it was like never underestimate the old girls team because they might not be as fast as somebody that's 20 Mm -hmm. but they are way smarter than you Mm -hmm. um and yeah I, I love that too that that women's women are it's inclusive it's like rugby is inclusive it's inclusive to all body types, skill levels, um, abilities, and, you know, even outside of playing on the field. Like, 
rugby will embrace you. Um, mm-hmm. But, oh, shoot, I lost. I no. lost myself for a second. <laughs> it's okay. I told you we would be jumping around. Oh, yeah, we're jumping around a lot. Oh, it's cool to see the progress or, like, the growth, how you can become a different athlete or uh, build a different community, have different foundations, and, like, through through the time that you're playing. But, like, isn't that just life? Like, isn't that kind of – I always feel like rugby mimics – it's kind of like a little microcosm of oh, the yeah. way that we're able to grow and build build around ourselves and build around other people and, and value each other. And It's just – it's beautiful. Sure. And yeah. I mean, I guess kind of to bring it like back in a circle, you mm-hmm. talk about, you know, after my ACL tear and coming back, like, you know, I started and I was like a solidly outside center wing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I came back and I had put on 15 pounds of muscle because, you know, they, all they have you do is strength and mm-hmm. all my speed was shot. So, you know, then it's like, okay, you're going to be our inside center fly half, or you're going to be, you're going to play a lot of crash ball as opposed to like what you usually did. And, you know, I, my, what I was able to bring to the table changed so much. I had so Mm -hmm. often relied on, you know, oh, I, you know, I was a soccer player. I'm so fast. I can, you know, exploit these holes. And now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I haven't been in contact for two years. I'm going to, you know play crash ball which is now you know one of my favorite things to do Uh um but I'm sure you know when I was a rookie starting out it wasn't and uh you know so yeah I've had you know that transition but also my knee kind of recovery uh, my ACL recovery Mm -hmm. uh you know really took priority in college and so Mm -hmm. all of the issues that I was facing with scoliosis and like having to cope with like those unique pains um Mm -hmm. were kind of like pushed to the back burner and Mm kind of you know and it really wasn't until after I ended up graduating college and recovering from my second ACL tear that I was like you know I really need to kind of you know buckle down and make sure that I can get a hold on this um Yeah. And then, I mean, we didn't talk too much in depth about this, but the second ACL tear, that one was brutal because yeah. it was Were you my, still in college or I was you still in college. Your, okay. This was yeah. like your last semester, something like that. It was my senior game of 15. Okay. It was oh, the, okay. I know it was so heartbreaking. It was the uh, week before we were going to nationals for sevens mm-hmm. for Ensco mm-hmm. sevens. So, mm-hmm. uh, we were playing, it wasn't even like, it was a scrimmage. It wasn't a matrix game or anything. And I, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I hadn't scored a try on all of, you know, undergrad. So Mm. they were like, Oh, it's Liz's senior game. We got to get her to score. And so we ran this like trick play where, you know, I was inside center and they were like, all right, we're going to like skip and you're going to, we're going to skip the ball to the 13 and you're going to loop around our wing Mm -hmm. and then we'll give it to you out there. And so I looped around and we ended up losing, you know, possession at some point. And I was like hungry for the ball. I was, you know, super hungry for contact. So I did something really cool. And then I did something really stupid, which was the, uh, so there was a ruck set up and there was a, we were playing university of Maryland and who's Mm -hmm. a, you know, really good team. And, the 
opposition had kind of set up to like prepare for me to blow up this rock. Like she was so ready. She was like running up and she was like, try it, you know, try it. I'm going to, you know, be super hard to ruck over. And I grabbed her Jersey and I like, just kind of let her momentum pull her through the ruck. Like, like the ruck never formed. Like she ran and I just like sidestepped and she like fell on her face, which Uh was so cool. Uh And then the nine was like, fuck, 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 fuck. Because the, you know, there was no longer a ruck and the ball's out. The ball's out. Right. And I was the only one there. So I, you know, pushed her, like pulled her through the ruck and then also tried to like sidestep. So the nine picks and then I try to tackle her while I'm like, running forward and she's running to my side and then I yeah. just tear my other knee like uh, completely and I knew exactly what it was because mm, I had done it before sure <laughs> so, it was my other knee and I get carried off and I was really lighthearted about it at first yeah. um and then you know went to the hospital they actually told me it was my MCL which is much easier to recover from sure um and I was like cool I was in super good spirits so like mm-hmm. my um, pictures on my senior day, I ended up going back. Um, and they weren't, you know, I needed an MRI. So they didn't give me like a full thing, but I was like all cheesing. Cause I was like, it's cool. I'll miss this, you know, thing, but I'm going to play for the Furies right after I patch this up. Yeah. So I was all good spirits and I was in a great like rugby position. I felt like really good about like myself and my body and my skill set. Yeah. Um, and then my, I got my MRI and my technician thought he was calling the doctor and he called me directly and he told me I guess he thought I was the doctor but he was like yeah so full ACL tear blah 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 and I was like oh my god I have to go through all of this again wow Uh, so that was really hard and my recovery was a lot harder too because you know I was working I had graduated and I had Mm. to start like you know I was back home and my schedule was a little different and you know so I didn't uh play for the Furies until um a little bit after that and you know I actually showed up with a different metal brace I had the (sighs) same doctor for both surgeries but I showed up with a different metal brace to their practice because you know at some point I was like I can't play contact but I just need to play rugby like I need to be there yeah I just need to be around other ruggers because I'm going insane yeah for sure I know my people (laughs) for sure. And, you know, once my knee got patched up and, you know, it's still not like a hundred percent, but it's about as good as it's going to get, I think. But, Mm. um, you know, then I was really able to start focusing on like other parts of my body that didn't get as much attention before. And, you know, my back was one of them and, you know, playing at the club level, you know, college is already difficult, but, you know, then you start playing club and you're like, Oh man, like, women Mm -hmm. are faster and stronger and And bigger yeah Yeah. like yeah women's club will humble you you're a really good collegiate player you can go to women's club and not be shit you know yeah Yeah, you def there's some you quickly realize there's so much more to learn and so many more skills and um strengths to gain for sure and so you know that feeling right up and you know in college we always used to say like saturday's a rugby day Mm -hmm. sunday's a i got hit by a truck day and it's (laughs) that feeling where you wake up and you literally can't get out of bed because you are so sore and your body will not move. Um, That's like exasperated 10 times with scoliosis because it affects my breathing too. Uh So like, Oh my gosh, all of my partners in my past life, poor, poor them. Cause I, you know, every Sunday I'm in 
literally so much pain that mm-hmm. I can't move. Like it hurts mm-hmm. to roll over. It hurts to stand up. Um, if I get hit wrong. And they're just know, like, why do you do this? What's yeah. wrong with you? And you're like, you just don't get it. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's so weird. I, mm-hmm. oh man, it's, it's really, really hard to explain to people. My entire family, you know, was like, why do you continue to do this to yourself? Sure. And sure. it's like, you know, the biggest thing is I know that I won't be able to do it forever. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do it as long as I can, because, you know, it's a feeling that you won't Boys. get anywhere else. And no, it's irre- irreplaceable. Tell me <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. the, all the, the sense of accomplishment that you get from playing a rugby game is not, it's not, there's nothing else like it. Yeah. I mean, and just the things that people are able to do with their bodies, like the skills you're able to develop, like, I was walking home the other day and a dude is being like kind of weird. And I was like, it's okay. If he tries something, I'll tackle him into that like bush over there. (laughs) And just like knowing that I know I could do that is like so empowering. I agree too. Yeah. Empowering makes me feel safer for sure in questionable situations. Um, Absolutely. And it's like specifically like for women, like that we can find that we can play this sport that – like we you were touching on like we talked about earlier that breaks all these like social norms for like what femininity is or like what it is to be a woman and and it brings so much value to our lives like it doesn't just work on a physical level to make us stronger and give us this more let us let us channel like our passion and our independence and our drive but it works on it's like a intellectual spiritual mental level as well that just gives you um i think a better recognition of like who you are and how you fit in the world Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah it's a it is really a really beautiful thing Um, yeah this is just such an incredible sport and mm -hmm. it's given me and i know so many other people so much because it's so much more than just a sport yes it is it's family so you got out to the Furies, and this is like our big bit, our big end bit. This is like super sure. exciting. You are you're in like post production, yes. right? You're in post production making a documentary about the DC Furies, which is so exciting. I'm super excited to watch this. You're gonna have to give me all the links and stuff oh, so sure, I can share sure. so we can all watch this thing. Um, how how were you inspired to do this? Like. And also, like, to make film, I want to hear, like, where, where, where'd this come from? Yeah, wow. So, weirdly, my, like, the way that this uh, documentary came about is very deeply connected to my rugby experience in college. So, you know, I knew I wanted to go into something film-related when I went into college. Mm -hmm. And then when I got into college, I was like, you know... I actually went into college as a, uh, what was I, accounting and film (laughs) double major. And that was my like agreement with my dad. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a film major, but I guess I'll do accounting as like a backup. I literally was like, that's your parents telling you we're not paying for your school unless you do something practical. Yeah. Not like they paid for it anyways. No, I know. Or, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever. Like, we won't support you unless you do something that you can actually make a living with. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, And, you know, when I was 
uh, junior, like really late. I was like, you know, not getting ready to finish accounting, but getting ready to really deep dive into like the classes that would overtake my life. I was like, why am I doing this? And I, you know, realized, you know, my parents, you know, I have loans in my name Mm -hmm. that I'm going to have to pay back. You know, my parents aren't paying out of pocket. I not only do I not like this, but I actively hate it because it's so difficult and I knew it wasn't something that I was good at yeah and it was hard and you know I love things to be challenging but this was like I didn't enjoy it it was hard and also like there was no guarantee that it was going to give me any job security so mm-hmm. f that so yep. I decided <laughs> to become a government major instead um okay which kind of like paved the way for documentary because, you know, mm. it got me into, you know, the thing I discovered that I loved about documentaries were, you know, telling this story that was really already there. Like it was already in existence kind of waiting to be discovered. Yes. And government introduced me a lot to like political theory and how mm. art has kind of impacted society on the whole. And I was like, oh my God, that's it. That's it. That's like wow. what I want to do. And that's then, so true. I mean, art is like our art, filmmaking, a- any kind of art, though, is just like our reflection um, and ability to tell our own stories in a way that brings value to like someone else, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. Documentaries will change your freaking life, man. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I took, I was so like grateful. I took an, uh, uh, advanced documentary production class, which was only there because, you know, we didn't have a lot of uh, film production classes at William & Mary. It was like mm-hmm. a film studies kind of thing where we were like mm-hmm. reading a lot about films, but this was a production class that was offered and it was a documentary and I almost died when I saw that it came up. And wow. one of our like final projects, yeah, one of our, you know, final projects was to do a, it was very short as a five minute documentary piece. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this about rugby. Like, there's no question. Because mm-hmm. it was one of those things where like, th- you know, my life changed in college. I discovered mm-hmm. this incredible sport. Nobody else knew how amazing it was. Mm-hmm. Nobody else knew, you know, that there were such these incredible women kind of like, you know, spearheading this way to like defying conventional norms yes that were set up and I was like oh this is it this is it and so I actually uh had known about the theories because my college coach was a theories back in the 80s Mm -hmm. um and a couple players from my college team um Maggie Olney and Gussie who is still in the theories too um but and plus some other ones there's a lot of people from William Perry who uh ended up going to the theories but um you know, I ended up interviewing two folks from William & Mary and two folks from the Furies and just kind of opening a conversation about rugby and femininity and like, you know, how they were connected and, you know, what was so wonderful about them and did a really cool five minute piece that I can also link you. Um, and then when I, Please. sure, when I moved uh, to DC and I like met the Furies, you know, it had always kind of been a dream of mine to do a feature piece of something in general. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, started, you know, working part-time for a documentary company and then, you know, working for part-time for a media company. And then I was like, I'm just going to like take the plunge. I'm just gonna, you know, do the thing and 
put out um, something and, you know, I just need to come up with an idea. And the Furies had their 40th anniversary, what is now, I think, three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap, 40 years? Like, this club has been around for 40 years? Mm-hmm. What? And then I hear about all of these things about, you know, it's something our club talks about, and I'm sure Chesapeake and some other, you know, older clubs talk about this too. It's just about the legacy of like yeah. you know, what our club has started. And, yep. you know, I, I'm like, I don't really know like what that legacy is or like why, you know, all of these older players are connected. Cause you know, William and Mary didn't really have that for me. There's a lot sure. of tradition that was lost. I think from when I don't even know when we were founded, but yeah. the theories, always talk about it they always talk about our founders and like what we've built and how the sport has grown and part of that is because you know the founders are still so actively involved in like the preservation of the club so amazing yeah and i was like that's amazing yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of like how i started that and then yeah it came so it came fully out of your own curiosity about the club too like you knew you wanted to be a documentary filmmaker Mm -hmm. but you also were just like, well, what is this? How can I dive deep into what our legacy is? Like what our, and it's, it's ancestry, you know, what our beginnings were and what better way to do it than to make, make art out of it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the story was like right in front of me because I mean, it was this, I, I decided I wanted to do this the same year that the Furies got relegated out of the WPL. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of talk and and mostly because you know that was really hard on our club because we had been sure. in the women's Premier League for 10 years and mm, since you know, the beginning yeah we helped yeah. found the women's Premier League yeah and you know we are one of the oldest clubs uh in the country we have this so yeah it was our um the way the original documentary was going to go was kind of like the founding of the club talking about our relegation and that was going to be our like crisis point right and yes. then it was going to end with our 40th annual rugger fest which was to happen whatever 2020 april of 2020 yeah and that was going to be COVID. and just talk about yeah yeah but we were going to talk about like the growth of like women's rugby and how like you know our legacy isn't you know how well we perform in the women's premier league our legacy is like what we're giving to the sport and like what we're doing for the growth of like women in rugby and then COVID happened. And so now this has kind of become a bigger documentary that I'm still working on figuring out the ending for, but uh-huh. <laughs> that's, you know, speaking largely to the fact that like, you know, these are the issues that are going on with today. Like these are, you know, coronavirus impacted sports all over the country but because we are club players who are, even though we're playing at, you know, some of the highest levels in the country, we're not paid to do that. Like, and so we pay to do it. Exactly. And, you know, there's all of this financial incentive for the NBA, MLB, NFL, you know, even the WNBA, the NWSL, and also major league rugby, they have financial incentive to return to play. And everybody in the WPL or in club rugby they're all working professionals. Mm-hmm. So like they don't, and even USA rugby, they don't really understand what's happening either because mm-hmm. they have financial incentive to continue playing in national games and stuff. And like, you know, the players may not, but the organization itself 
yeah, they have financial incentive to like keep going and make sure that they can, you know, sustain themselves coming out of this bankruptcy. Um, mm-hmm. As club players, hell no, we run our own clubs. Like we're trying to figure out how to survive just ourselves. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just this unique sc- struggle that I think only, you know, rugby clubs in America are really able to understand and specifically women's clubs too, because mm-hmm. women's clubs have only been around, you know, the last 40, 50 years. Yeah. And we're on the lowest end of the resources in general, you know, we yes. don't have, we don't have the kind, we just don't have the resources. We don't have the kind of fun. Um, we just kind of fall under, like we're not prioritized in the same way with field space or resources or even being taken seriously in the way that men's sports are but so much of that is tied in to resources and I think that's how so much of our hearts and our passion gets tied up in this sport um wow (laughs) so stoked to see this film I'm so excited to see it yeah honestly I'm stoked to see it too I'm still (laughs) trying to like piece things together because you know what's so crazy about documentary is and that's why this you know didn't you know fall into creation right or out of creation is you know even though i had a plan that was set out for it the beautiful thing about documentary is it's all about real life and Mm -hmm. it's all about you know what's happening right in front of us and how we're Mm -hmm. interpreting those events Mm -hmm. and you know i could have never obviously anticipated a literal global pandemic would get in the way but you know (laughs) that's what's so beautiful is it's, it's just kind of like made the story evolve and like you know exasperated all of the things that I was talking about with like sexism in the sport and with mm-hmm. the obstacles that club rugby players are facing, it's just mm-hmm. like making them so much more obvious. And, you know, it's, it's presenting me with a new opportunity to kind of show not only like rugby players, but like anyone who's even not interested in the sport, like True. what this little microcosm of mm-hmm. the world is kind of going through right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're all interested to see that as well um, because, well, I think part, because part of it is like processing from what we've all just been through, but mm-hmm. it's, there's, if we, if we do this right, I think that there, we are presented right now with a wonderful opportunity to level the playing field, for lack of a better <laughs> idiom, and, mm-hmm. and to, to reorganize ourselves in a way that is more fair and equitable and especially the way that women exist in rugby is outside of outside it's more it's on the margins it's on the edge of society um and it's so it's so lovely that you've made a project that's gonna show us give a spotlight to that yeah like I said still trying to finish it like I don't Mm -hmm. even know what the ending's gonna look like but you know I know it's gonna be real I know and you're gonna get there there. it's a process yeah, yeah, it you know absolutely is a process. Yeah, wow, stoked. So, um, your official film website is furiousthefilm.com, correct? Yes, I believe like furious something else. Furious.com was already taken, so it's oh. furiousthefilm.com, um, and you know it'll have the trailers up there as well as like a little blurb about like the you know film as a whole. But uh-huh. you know it, it's about the furies in the sense like we'll talk about our you know our founding and like things that are unique to our club but the reality is like this is a story that I think a lot of clubs in the country can relate to and I'm you know working well not working with but I reached out to 
the women's rugby history project mm -hmm. and you know different rugby communities in dc to kind mm -hmm. of like talk about this story that i think is going to relate to more than just you know the furies themselves but also yeah. like all of like club rugby in america sure sure and there's parts of it also that extend out to just women in sport in general mm -hmm. and yeah i think that's that's the ticket man that's the ticket if you're going to make some art is, is to make it relatable and we all have well i guess that's what makes it art isn't it but we all have we have individual but experiences in women rugby that are they fall in certain like themes they fall in certain categories and um just change our lives this yeah. change our lives and yeah this is a story that you know on top of it it's so so timely and mm -hmm. you know i think women specifically like trans women who has always been welcomed in the rugby community have been really attacked over the last year and you know we're a club, as I'm sure are several, several clubs uh, across the country who are, you know, really working at trying to, like, make a space for, Good. like, them to exist. And I think, yep. like, that's the whole thing, right? It was, like, this yep. was a game that was originally developed for, like, you know, men, for white men to exist, mm -hmm. and, you know, own. And then, you know, the Furies, as of founders of other clubs, kind of, like, took control and said, mm -hmm. no, we're going to make this a game for everyone. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is a game for women. This is a game for, like, anyone who doesn't identify with women. People of different sure. abilities, you know, me coming sure. in with a, you know, wonky back and <laughs> injuries out the get-go and, you know, experience, yeah, no it. experience. It's, it's everything. It's For sure. Yeah, rugby is inclusive. Rugby is supposed to be inclusive. It includes trans women. It includes non-binary people. It includes, I mean, the the gay community is enormous and it's safe. Like rugby is supposed to be a safe space. So I'm good that we're doing that work to say like trans women are welcome. They are absolutely welcome in women's rugby. They always will be. Mm -hmm. I don't care what world rugby says. They're buttheads. Oh yeah. And I got, I got some, you know, in me and England rugby, you're going to have a talk later. It's just oppression. It really it's is. not based in actual science and it's, when we start to other people, when we start to disclude them from society, all we're doing is creating like conditions for oppression and conditions for um, mis like misogyny and conditions for intolerance. And that's not the world that I want to live in. Exactly. And I mean, everything that's happening, all of the, you know, England rugby's new policies and all of that is just our, you know, their way of saying, you know, this is what a woman is supposed to look like. And this is what a rugby player is supposed to look like okay or supposed to, to be. Back. Yeah. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm so ready in the next couple of years or, you know, maybe sooner to, mm -hmm. you know, really stick it to them and say, you know, that's not flying here. So, yeah. Oh, Let yeah. Let me know. I'm, I'm there to help you. I want to make some art. <laughs> sure. Yeah, for sure. Well. I think we basically hit everything to add until we you tell us our closer. Oh, man. Anything I would like to add? Um, I think, you know, the only thing I really want to say is, you know, I know there's a lot of a lot of rugby players across the country are on different terms right now with what's, you know, going on in terms of COVID. Mm -hmm. You know, some teams have had games already. I know that our club isn't even practicing right now because DC yeah. isn't even allowing contact sports to take place. Uh -huh. um, you know, we're all kind of like scattered and trying to cope with as best we can. But, you know, we're, 
I'm with you and I know the rest of we'll, we'll persevere. We'll, we'll be okay. It's just going to take absolutely some time. Will. We absolutely will. We'll get back there. Yeah. And, and it's like you with your ACL injuries a year, a year and a half, the other players take breaks and stuff like we, you can't lose women's rugby. Once you're a part of it, it's with you forever. You have your people, you have your friends, your community. It's always there. You have the game, the memories, you know, we got our rugby balls in our garages or in the trunks of our cars. And it's just, <laughs> women's rugby makes us resilient because it's resilient. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was self is of that. It was started from nothing. I mean, I think that's yeah. what's the beauty of is the, if anything, the reason I know, you know, our club and other clubs will be okay is, mm-hmm. you know, in interviewing these alumni, like the things that they went through in terms of, you know, no funding and no support and having literally nothing to gain from this except for and like six players at practice. Exactly. You know? It's, yes. you know, I hear about their struggles and I'm like, you know, we're going to be just fine. Yes, it absolutely. might look different than what we thought it was going to be, but, uh-huh. you know, just, you know, to be able to sustain a club this long and to be able to like, you know, spread that love of rugby and of, you know, what rugby does to other people. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing we're like creating a, you know, they worked so hard at creating a world in which rugby for women was just like, you know, always accessible. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's just what we're going to be doing. Too. That's right. We're just going to keep on doing it. Oh yeah. We're just going to keep on doing it. This has been such a great conversation. I've, yes. <laughs> it's been so, so wonderful. Um, thank you. Okay, wait. Uh, you have to tell us our, our little closing funny moment. Oh, yeah. This is great. Back to college. Oh, yeah. Back to college. So <laughs> I mentioned not too long ago uh, that, you know, when I was in college, I, you know, some of this, I'm sure, was because I was out for, you know, a year and a half or whatever from college. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was in inside center, outside center. And the funniest thing about me was, you know, I was a really big playmaker, but I'd never scored a try. So I, you know, would make this huge run or or give off, you know, you know, draw a defender and dish it off to the wing or whatever. And, you know, it got to the point where I would tell people like, hey, uh, you're just the assist. Yeah. yeah, My job is the assist. I always joked. I was like, man, I wish we were counting assists because I would lead in that. But um, it was a joke. And like people didn't even know that I hadn't scored a try because of how many plays I was like involved in. Um, So my senior, you know, year, we had our like, you know, kangaroo court kind of thing. And it was like, all right, Liz, like you are being charged with not having ever scored a try in your undergrad career. And my punishment was them duct taping a rugby ball to my hand. Um, And I had to walk around the rest of the night with that. Um, Thanks, Emily Moore, um, for thinking of that. But yeah, that's a memory I think I'll always live with. uh, Because, you know, who cares if I didn't score a try? I had a club that loved me so much and like, oh, yeah, memories I'll never forget. And I ended up finally scoring a try, by the way, with the Furies, like whenever, you know, six years into the game, I finally scored my first try <laughs> or whatever. My first and only try. Aww. But Yes, I love it. I Yeah, kangaroo, kangaroo court's always fun. And it's, it's, uh, 
it's a great visual just to imagine you walking around your entire like senior party with a rugby ball taped to you. Oh yeah, I was <laughs> drunk out of my mind and I was like, I have to keep this on forever. Are you serious? But forever. You'll never go to class. You'll never oh, yeah. go anywhere without it. You better get used to carrying all your groceries with one hand. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. And thank you for, so and thank- much for having me on the show. Yeah, this has been great. I I'm super excited to see your film. I really enjoyed this conversation a lot. And uh, thank you for thank you for signing up and volunteering your time. Yeah, anytime. Stories. Yeah, this is wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So I'll talk to you again soon. Definitely. For right. sure. Thanks and, so much. Um, absolutely. Yeah, we're also going to make sure that all the show notes include the contact for your film and and uh, all all the things, right? Awesome. Awesome. I'll send you all that info. Great. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Suze. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into another episode of With You, a women's rugby podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Any feedback is much appreciated. You can find my email in the show notes. Other than that, I love you all so much, especially for being here, but my love is unconditional. Until next week, take care of yourselves. Bye. Click subscribe to get new episode notifications the day they drop and never miss a show. Email me if you want to share your stories at suze at withyoupodcast.co. That's S-U-S at with you podcast.co. My love to you all and thanks for stopping by.